1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: We are live. Hello, James.
1: Hello. Thanks so much for having me, Mel.
0: It's my pleasure. So before I forget, I always forget. My name is Mel Rosenberg, and I am the... what am I the host of the children's literature channel of the new books network and I have a wonderful guest today who's an author and an agent and for all of us in the in the industry uh one of the most generous kind uh people out there James McGowan welcome to our show at NBN well
1: thank you thank you for that kind introduction too
0: well you know you are one of the people who give back he is an agent uh, you are highly regarded I want to thank uh, Deborah Kemp shoemaker for connecting us in the first place um, and you are a kind individual generous you give back you have wonderful segments on YouTube where you tell all you bear all yes. uh, and it's it's great to have you and you're celebrating a, a children's book um, so you are one of the agents who actually actually writes so um, let's start out with good night Opie yeah. Gra- grab a copy, flash it around, tell us about it.
1: Yeah. So, Goodnight Oppie is a story, it's slightly fictionalized, of the Opportunity rover that was on Mars for so many years. Um, I believe it was 2017, news broke that Oppie was considered, her mission was considered done. And as soon as I heard that story, <clears> I, I, had, I knew like I had to write it. And I was talking with a colleague at Bookends and I said, Someone's got to write this book. And they said, Well, why don't you? Um, so it started out all fictional. It started out with like a spunky rover traveling on Mars. But the more I researched, the more I learned, it became more and more nonfiction. There was more facts that were included and sidebars and things like that. Um, it really was a joy to write. And then Graham Carter joined the team as the illustrator and just brought Oppie to life in a way that I did not ever dream of. So I'm so glad that Graham joined the team.
0: Um, so so, so hold, hold on, James. So you're an agent with, with an agent?
1: Yeah, of course. I do not do my own agenting, of course. I think it's super important for agents to have their own agent um, and authors in general to have an agent. We are the people who can advocate for you when all of your feelings are mixed up in the business of things. Um, so who, who's your agent? My agent is actually Naomi Davis at Bookends Literary. So I work oh. with them. They are amazing. Um, and I told them about Api's story and they said, yeah, you should write it. And that's sort of how we began working together and and how this book came about. Um, But yes, an agent should have an agent. It helps separate your creative brain and your business brain and let someone do all that heavy lifting for you so that you can have good relationships with the people that you're working with on your books.
0: Okay, so as we know, authors don't usually uh, uh, pick their illustrators. Uh, Were you able to pick your illustrator?
1: No. Um, So oftentimes the publisher will send a short list. They'll send three to four choices and see what the author thinks. Um, And then the author can give, list back like one two three four or give feedback on why someone's particularly working or not working um in the case of goodnight Oppie, uh astra my editor at astra jess negron actually just picked the illustrator picked graham um i think that jess had a vision and went for it and i'm grateful for that so it does depend on the editor it does depend on the book and the team's vision sometimes there's that one perfect person um, but sometimes there's a style that they're looking for and they'll consult with you um, I do like to get consultation for all clients on Illustrator, so it's something that I do push for. So hopefully, um, all clients do get the chance to at least have the conversation before someone is brought on. But in this case, it worked out well for me. So,
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't have more pull. Um, the the illustrations turned out to be spectacular. Can you show the viewing audience some of them, please?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So let me. Let
0: me the ones try. listening to the the ones listening to the podcast will just have to run out and buy the book.
1: That's, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm going to open up some of my favorite spreads to share with you.
0: I was hoping you would.
1: Okay, so here's one spread. Okay, and I've got another one that I think everybody has to see just to show how brilliant Graham has done this book. So this is coming towards the end. I hope it's not a spoiler, but here's Opportunity in the middle of a dust storm listening to her favorite music. And just if you look closely, you can see how detailed and fine all of this work is on Graham's part. and there are so many spreads that I can share that are just my favorite in general. Um, but it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's a, I still look at it sometimes and find something new and exciting and that I just fall in love with. so, I, so it, it, it's very
0: interesting because it, it's very hard, as you know, as an agent to anthropomorphize even animals oh, and, so hard. and and you're talking about a uh, a robot in space.
1: Yeah, it was difficult. And it was a really difficult choice to navigate because um, if you don't know, Opportunity's mission came to an end. And it was hard to address that in this book and not make it seem like she died. Um, although in a way she kind of did. We navigated it in a way where her mission is just over. And well, goes-
0: James, when, when you bring her to life, she dies in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard, it's hard. Uh, And I didn't want it to feel like we killed off a beloved character. It was was a very fine line to walk. So it was more like a celebration of her mission and her achievements. And at the end, she gets to to rest after doing such great work. Um, So we navigated that tricky line of falling asleep equating to dying, but also killing off the main character. (laughs) But um, I think we do it in a really happy, joyful way. It's not super sad. Um, and it is something that I, I think kids really learn a lot from. That's my hope.
0: It's, it's a wonderful book. And I, maybe I'm prejudiced because uh, I uh, I like you so much without having uh, met you personally for all the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. And, and, and your candor. And the book really is, is is lovely. And you've navigated, boy, that's kind of a, okay, excuse me. You've navigated a, a difficult course here, bringing a, um, a robot on the, on Mars to Life, and um, and the text is really beautiful. Uh, if you were pitching it, okay, what would you call it? It's it's not fiction. It's not nonfiction.
1: I've got this. I've got this okay. one. So Melissa Stewart, she's a nonfiction author. She coined the term informational fiction. So that's what I use to refer this to. Um, it it there is a strong fictional narrative there, but there's so much information and so much of the narrative is based in actual fact and actual history. So I call it informational fiction. I thank Melissa Stewart every time I call it that because it's the perfect term. Um, and it also, in the beginning, there's on the cover page, we made it clear right there on the cover page, Api says, hey there, some of this story has been fictionalized, but the science is real. So I wanted to make it clear that there is fiction here, but all of the sidebars, all of the scientific facts they were heavily researched, and they are, in fact, true.
0: Okay, so that's, uh, that's wonderful. Melissa Stewart is going to be interviewed here in oh, two weeks. Great. And yeah, it's going to be a difficult one because she's so gung-ho on, the, on nonfiction. And um, I, I, I spent 30 years in science, and all I want to do now is write ridiculous things. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Well, um, Melissa
1: Stewart is wonderful. Please thank her for that term for me, and I hope you I, have a good interview.
0: I shall because I'm also writing one. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> so, but she's a big nonfiction uh, yes. uh, pro- pro- proponent. What's the word?
1: Yeah, proponent. Yeah.
0: So, um, uh, did you worry about word count, James, when you were writing it?
1: Oh, man. Okay. So, the word count just kept getting longer and longer and longer the more that I wrote. So, my first draft was low, it was like in the 300s. And then it just kept, every draft I wrote, I was adding like 20, 30 words. <laughs> Um, I wasn't super worried about it the main narrative was still pretty short the sidebars did get a bit lengthy Um, so there was a lot of like cutting and and pasting in those and making sure that it wasn't running too long especially visually that we didn't have pages filled with text Um, I wasn't granular about it. I wasn't trying to stick to a certain word count. I was just being sure that we weren't getting too spurfluous with information and making sure that it was still digestible for younger audiences. Okay. But what was the word count in the end without the sidebars? I don't know. I can look that up for you, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, once, once I was working with the publisher, I never looked at the word count again. <laughs> I was looking at the length in my Google doc.
0: <laughs> One of the things that they said at the SCBWI meeting last week, was that word count is more for agents than editors. Editors look at the story.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good tool for us as agents to be like, okay, is this still in the vein of a picture book? Is it running too long? Or am I getting into something that is super short and it's gonna be spare? It's a very good tool for us to base what the book is gonna have to do in those sort of words based on the concept and that count of words. so I, I a lot of editors will be very vocal on Twitter saying that word counts not for them, but it is a tool for us.
0: Okay, so uh, you've dodged that very nicely. Um, <laughs> okay, um, so the book uh, came out uh, late in, 19, uh, in uh, 1991, in no. 2021.
1: <laughs> I wasn't born in 1991, I'm... so if it came out then, it's impressive. That's, no, it's really dated,
0: uh, because I'll tell you something. I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm really... Um, I'm really keen on on books about Mars because uh, I had a book uh, about Mars when I was a small child. I oh, wow. can't find it. I've been looking for it, and I almost became an astronomer. And are you with me, James?
1: Yeah, I lost you for a second. You're back.
0: Ah, okay. I said that um, when I was a kid, a, I had a wonderful book about Mars. Yeah. And they didn't know very much about Mars then. They didn't know whether there were Martians. They didn't know whether there were rivers and whether there was water. Uh, but when I was six or seven, I wanted to be a, an astronomer because of that book, and I, I did become a scientist. And your book might prompt many children to uh, to grow hope. up and study and study STEM subjects, and that's that's, that's my, my hope. hope my hope too for your book. So I hope it also launches uh, many uh, careers of young people to be interested in uh, in science and exploration. Um, you. I think I you're frozen again. Launch. I'm frozen. No, now we're not. Now we're not oh, frozen. Okay. It's yeah, like, it's like Mars. It's like Mars. So uh, <laughs> that's where I am right now. <laughs> so, so um, we're going to, uh, before we segue into uh James McGowan, the agent, um, do you have other books that you're writing now?
1: Okay. So my clients and my job keeps me super busy, but I am still writing. I'm working on something new right now, which I won't share too much of, but it is still in, in space. Um, so hopefully I have something I can share soon, um, but it is a slower process for me considering my busy day job. Um, sometimes I just leave work and I'm like, ah, I don't want to deal with a book today. <laughs> like, I don't want to fight with this one or... So um, it's a bit of a slower process for me. I find that my, um, my inspiration and creativity dries up a lot quicker than maybe a different career author might, um, but I am still working. It's just a little slower.
0: Okay, so I would... Um... Well, if you were my agent, I would say, oh, no, no, James, don't write a thing forever. <laughs> but you're not. So go on writing this marvelous uh, stuff between fiction and nonfiction. It's really important.
1: All right. I'll work on it.
0: <laughs> and everybody should run out and buy the book, including the people. Well, the people who've seen the pictures are going to run out and buy it. Hopefully. hopefully. And, and please friend me on Facebook. And then you can share the links where people can order it, et cetera. Yes. Okay, so uh, now let's segue into your early life and uh, what uh, brought you into, uh, basically you're more of a children's literature agent, at least you are today. Um, and um, I know that people watching the show are going to be interested in what books you're looking for and so on, but you're not looking right now, you're closed, which actually makes this conversation much better because this isn't a fishing expedition, this is a a yeah. talk about about.
1: Yeah, I currently have a super full list in Kidlit, which does not mean that I'll be closed forever. But just for the time being, while I get my feet under me, I'm closed just to focus on the clients that I currently have. But um, I am always open to illustrators. I love working with illustrators who are looking to work on other people's books or even write their own. So my inbox is open for people who have their portfolios ready to go. Um, But right now for text only picture books and middle grade, I am closed.
0: Okay. And that, that's actually good for the purposes of our conversation. Um, I have a book coming out this year. I'm going to send you the illustrator. She's terrific. Um, so let's go back. Let's go back now. But everybody else have a nice day. James is close now to children's <laughs> literature, the text side of it.
1: Well, uh, I hope still stick around.
0: <laughs> no, they will, because you have so much to say and you're so honest about it. And I'm going to ask you a few honest questions, James. Okay. Sounds good. I mean, you, you, you suspected I would, didn't you?
1: Yes, of course, yeah.
0: Okay, now uh, talk about the early James.
1: Oh boy, um, the early sweet, James. Sweet like sweet baby James. Yeah, well, I don't know if I was sweet, but the early James is a lot like the current James. Uh, I was super sarcastic and I read a lot, which I think you can boil my personality down to those two things still. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have always been super into books and reading. I remember I always referenced this. There's a game that people used to play called MASH where you used to have to write down like, the kind of house you're going to live in, get all of these different examples, and then you would have to do the swirl, whatever. Um, An author was always in the career section. It was always one of the things that I would be. Um, And then I went most of my life as a reader, but I never thought of publishing as a career choice until I was in college, struggling between switching majors back and forth. And then I read an acknowledgement section, and I usually skip those back then. Anyway, now I never do. Um, But I used to skip them and I read an acknowledgement section and somebody thanked their editor, their publicist, their agent. I was like, there's a whole slew of people that are working on this beyond the editor. Um, So that led me to publishing. But I have always been the kind of person who would just binge a book. Like I will pick up a book as a kid and you would find me there hours later. Um, So I think that it just never went away.
0: Okay. Um, I have a theory that the people who love picture books as much as you do um, are somehow stuck at the age of five.
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, speak to me. Don't say yes. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think any time you see me laughing, it's probably something a five year old would laugh at. So I think my humor has stopped at age five. And I think also like that level of curiosity has stopped at age five. I'm always looking to learn something new or read more about something, or you you hear something on the radio and immediately do a Google. I think a lot of people don't have that. And I think the people who are into picture books at our age are the people who realize that you can find so much information at that writing level, right? Like for kids. Um, So I think that my humor and my level of curiosity have all peaked at age five and that's where I'm at.
0: (laughs) And it's downhill from that.
1: Yeah, no, it just never went anywhere. It's still there.
0: <laughs> no Okay, but is there some? Did, did a piano fall on you when you were five? Was there some yes. situation that you, that you know, um, you need to work out as an adult?
1: I don't think so. I, I think, no. I think that it's just something that I have. Right. I think that I like to laugh really, and I think that my humor stays there. And I think when you're a reader, you kind of have that natural proclivity to find and learn something new. Um, And I think that starts with kids. And that's why I I love working on kids books because I love to foster that. Um, I know that my family members are probably tired of me gifting books to their children, but I'm like, make them read, like (laughs) make them read every single day. I think it's super important. I think it really does make you a more empathetic person, a more understanding person, a smarter person. I think all of it's super important. And the earlier we can get kids to read, the better. And my parents were really great about that. My parents always gave me a book or took me to Barnes and Noble or the the local Kmart that used to be open that used to have a huge book section. Um, so anytime we went to a store that had books, they stopped for me, which I think a lot of parents will probably just rush on by. Um, and my parents never did. And I think that, that did definitely shape who I am as a reader. And I hope that kids get that now, especially with all the great picture books and middle grade and YA that is coming out right now. I think there's, no shortage of options for every child to read, which is really great.
0: Okay, uh, that's wonderful. Anything about Staten Island you want to share?
1: Oh no, never, never anything <laughs> about that <Staten laughs> I want to share. <laughs> it's it's one of those things, right? It's a place you're, you're, still, you're still there. Yes, I am still here. Everybody that I'm related to is still here. But um, yeah, it's one of those things that, about the place that you're from where you can make fun of it, nobody else can. Um, so <laughs> I will make fun of it all of my life. Nobody else can, though.
0: <laughs> but but you know, There's a story here, James. There's a Staten Island children's story here somewhere.
1: I don't think there is, but you know what? I <laughs> really don't. <laughs> I know are... I'll, I'll write it if you don't. Okay, know. knock yourself out. I know there are plenty of New York City books uh, about the boroughs and all of that, which is really cool. Um, I don't think Staten Island has its own story, though there, I did recently learn of. Um, a middle grade novel, I think it's called The Pig Man, which was set in Staten Island. The author is from Staten Island. So if you're you're itching to get your literary fill of Staten Island, check out <laughs> The Pig Man. But I know, I've not read it. I know it's a super old book, so I can't vouch for it, but I did learn that it was set here, which is all I know about it really.
0: Okay, the, the trick is for somebody like me, who's never really been to Staten Island to write this book, uh, <laughs> you know, Ka- Kafka wrote a book about America without ever having been in America. Um, so I think the trick is there's something very interesting about Staten Island for people like me, where it's a place you visit all the time and you never really go into, you know, it's, yeah. there's, some, there's some tremendous philosophical metaphor here of going somewhere in order not to be there.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's the thing about New York City, right? It kind of attracts all of the glamour. Um, I think when the further you get out from Manhattan, you Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten Island. Yeah, but
0: James, you, you don't know what I'm talking about because you live in Staten Island. You see, we are the people. I guess, who, yeah. who take who take the reverse trip on the boat, right?
1: Yeah. True. True. Yeah, we're usually leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things though. Like it's the it's the everyday part of Manhattan, right? Like you don't yeah. have to come here when you come to Manhattan because Manhattan's got everything um so i think that coming here is just like we're just going to see it right but when you get here it's like it's just a place like it's just a place with houses and businesses and it's all the same um, well I you know I, it's you, tourist attractions
0: you don't even know this <laughs> but for a tourist you have to get off walk around to get back on the boat you know
1: yeah you do you do i know that part
0: yeah <laughs> okay um so i think i still think there is a book there okay, um think about the, the, it. The, <laughs> I, the island that nobody visits i don't know
1: or maybe about the ferry too, right? Like the ferry is a huge um tourist attraction. I know for a lot of people they want to take a trip on that ferry. So yeah. maybe there's a story in, t- in in the ferry and its creation and you know the birth yeah. of that Allen and the need for a ferry. Maybe. I'll I'll think the, about the, it. The ferry to nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> okay,
0: we're we're not gonna go there. I mean we we,
1: we already did. <laughs> yeah, I, I just got back from
0: New York, so um. <laughs> So, so, so James, now, now comes the, uh, this has all been fun. Now we're going to talk what the Jews say, talk tachlis, um, you know, which means uh, get to the, uh, get to the gritty stuff. Okay. Um, as, as an, as an agent, if you were open mm-hmm. to submissions from children's lit, would you be receiving about 50 submissions a
1: day? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah. I usually receive about 600 a month. So yeah, probably about, no, that's 600. bad math, about 30 a day. <laughs> Listen, I'm here for reading, not for math. That was bad math. I'll, <laughs> I'll own it. <laughs> um, so I receive about 600 um, kidlet submissions a month. So someone- when, has- when,
0: when you're open. Well, okay, but that, that translates to a little over 7,000 submissions a year. a year. Yeah. Yes. And 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 mostly by different people. So let's say you're getting about, 6,000 authors are submitting work a year.
1: I will say that I get more repeat submissions from Kidlit folks because they have a lot of picture book manuscripts on their, their docket. So like I might see the same author in my inbox a few times a year.
0: Okay. So I'm guessing you get 5,000 authors submitting to you a year.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Okay. How many of those do you take on as as, um, customers?
1: Um, nowhere near that maybe about five to 10 a year
0: okay so this is what i've been saying the odds of finding an agent are one in a thousand
1: yeah i would agree
0: and this is i think this is one of my i don't know um one of the things i repeat in 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 all the interviews the odds of getting published the odds of finding an agent are infinitesimally low yes and um, how, do you, how do you feel about that? Turning down 99.9%. It is positions.
1: my least favorite thing to do. I There's a thing that we talk about at bookends. We call it rejection fatigue, where we, it, it's not fun to reject authors. It's really, and I feel awful every single time. Um, and I think when we're doing it so often, it's like oh, another rejection. We also want to win, right? Like We want to read something great and sign someone and make a dream come true. And I know it sounds really cliche and and over the top, but that's what we want to do. And that's how we make money, too. Like, let's be honest. Um, So we want that. I think that the more we're rejecting, the more we kind of desensitize to it. We can just sort of detach from it and click the reject button and give you your closure on that submission. But I will say if I'm in there for too long or too many days in a row where I'm not finding anything I do get fatigued by it. It's upsetting. <laughs> I feel bad. And, you know, you feel like every time you reject something or if you request a submission and then reject that, it's like, oh, I'm crushing this person or ruining their day. And I'm trying to be mindful about the day I send it, right? Um, so I think it, the odds are low. It is depressing when you really, like, start thinking about it and ruminating on it. Um, I think, of course, I have that privilege of not having to because I'm on the other side of it. So I recognize how hard querying is for authors. I really don't envy it. Um, they, the odds are low, but I feel like if it's something you really want, keep going for it. Um, hopefully, it eventually he'll strike gold. And there are so many agents too, right? Like I'm not the only agent in the whole industry too.
0: Um, I will say that for uh, authors who are writing uh, and they're not illustrators, there are only, there are less than about 50 um bona fide agents that you can submit to today yeah um and that makes you wonder whether um there's something going on in the picture book industries there's something going on that people should know is it just very competitive are less books being published
1: my theory is that we were in a picture book boom we were in a lot of picture books being bought and sold and selling um, I know I the past two years for picture books have been incredibly successful for me and I know for my colleagues as well. Um, so my theory is it's, it's kind of evening itself out. So we're not in that boom anymore. Picture books are of course still selling, but maybe not at the rate that they were and response times from editors have changed. So I think it is a way for us as agents to sort of scale back a little bit and continue to make our clients successful because they're our first priority. So I know for me, I could take on another author who has all these text manuscripts, but I don't necessarily have the time to devote to them. And I also don't see the same level of responses from publishers um, to warrant taking on people and moving submissions rather quickly. Um, So for me, it's a way to just sort of even out my list, but keep myself open to the illustrators who are, frankly, they, they sell bigger. Illustrators sell bigger. And for me, it's easier to visualize everything when I can actually visualize it. So I get a more complete vision of a book when an illustrator creates a dummy than I do when an author creates a manuscript. So it's a way to keep myself open to picture books and keep myself open to talented illustrators, but also kind of start to balance my list. Okay, but you have to answer.
0: Okay, but you don't think the industry is on some kind of downturn that's gonna last?
1: Um, I, I don't think that they ever last, right? Like I think formats always and age groups are always going to need more books coming out. I don't think a publisher will ever say no more picture books ever. They might have a full list, right? And I think that it's likely that publishers have full lists through 2023 and 2024, mm-hmm. but they are still going to need books for 2025, 2026, so on and so forth. Okay. So there I is hope- a, there is a, a glimmer of hope. Yeah. I don't think we're on a buying ban. I just don't think that we're going to need as many books as often, is I guess what I'm saying.
0: Well, that's a bit of an oyvey statement.
1: They're all oyvey. I feel like publishing in general is oyvey lately, right? Like we have strikes, um, response times are getting lower, people are not getting paid as much as they should. Uh, it is a reality of the business, unfortunately.
0: So there is a little bit of room to be a bit worried.
1: Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm eternally, annoyingly optimistic. So I feel like it'll write itself eventually, hopefully. Um, I don't think that picture books are going away at all. I just, I, I'm not having as easy of a time as I did a year or two years ago. I think things have to have strong hooks, great writing and really be doing something fun.
0: Okay, and again, because, because you're closed, I can ask you this, uh, this more difficult question. Uh, I just got back from SCBWI. Uh, all the editors that I know I'm in touch with um, say that they either they don't care whether it's a, an author-illustrator or that they prefer, prefer to get the text and, and pick their own illustrator. Uh, and yet most agents who are open to picture books and submissions are open only to text illustrator submissions.
1: Yeah, I think editors have to keep themselves open, right? Like I think that we get the luxury of, of creating our lists and making sure that they're what we want to work on. And I think editors are usually just open to a format, and that can come in so many different ways. They have the ability to work with art directors and match artists to a text and make those decisions and really have something resonate strongly with them. Us, on the other hand, we that decision's in their hands. So we'll get a manuscript and we'll usually pitch it. Sometimes we can you know, suggest illustrators when we're doing the pitching, but I also think that that conversation happens with the publisher. So. I think they have more room to be open and have that creativity flow to them. Whereas sometimes for us, we want the ability to control the art, right? And work on it. And, and like I said, they, author illustrators get higher advances.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so you're not denying that that's an, an issue here?
1: Absolutely not. No, I, I mean, it would be silly to deny it. We are in the business to make money too, right? Like we're creating a list mm-hmm. and we're making a living. And I think if we have a full list, For text only, why wouldn't we stay open to author illustrators if it's still a space we want to grow? I mean, that's how I'm looking at my list. So, I mean, I would stay open to an author illustrator. And if I can sell that book, I can likely sell it at a higher rate than I would a text only manuscript. I'm not going to deny it at all.
0: Okay. But, you know, you guys are, um, at the end of the day, you are the gatekeepers because um, you decide what the editors get to see.
1: Yes, we do. And I, I i mean, I don't think every agent is close to text-only manuscripts, and I'm not going to stay close to text-only forever. Uh, it's just right now, every agent controls their own list. They're the creator of their own list. So I think... So,
0: so, so I, what is the what, what is the difference? Uh, you guys get 15% of, um, of the deal. So what is the difference between selling a text uh, manuscript and selling a text illustration manuscript? Uh,
1: the difference is, one, we work with the author and the illustrator in one whole package right like we're crafting that vision with the author illustrator we can see it and visualize it better for me that's just fun and also i have an easier time with it um the second thing is a lot of editors though you might have heard that at sbwi editors also like seeing the whole package in one and i think art is a great way to grab an editor's eye especially a a strong artist or a really strong dummy or an artist who has done a lot of books we're working with a professional it's going to grab someone's eye and third it's the whole deal is in one, right? And we do get a larger deal for that author and it's great. I'm not going to lie. So I think that there's so many benefits to it, but there are so many benefits to working with text only authors. And I have a great time with all of my clients. I just think I have so many of them right now that I'm not looking to add another one to the list. Whereas I can balance my illustrator list and also illustrators can create their own dummies, but also we can pitch them as illustrators only, and they can work on other people's books. The people who have text-only manuscripts. So I'm not saying that there's a benefit one over the other. I love working with all picture book creators, but I think that personally, my list is pretty full up on text-only, and I'm looking to build the illustrators, which is why I've chosen to close to one and not the other.
0: No, I, I, think, I, think, it, I think it's fine, but it, it does drive the industry in a certain direction. Um, I have seen a lot of uh, uh, picture books where the author-illustrator is fantastic, and um, in my case, where I have a book coming out, um, without the illustrator, my story wouldn't be a story. Well, she took it places I couldn't imagine. Yeah, so um, so I sometimes I, you can you can make an argument here and you can make an argument there. But you know um, as a you work in an industry that is very, very uh, regimented. you know um, this is fifteen percent. Why isn't it twenty percent? Um. Why? You know, people say, uh, "What do agents do for fifteen percent?" And I say, "What do agents do for only fifteen percent?" I think you should get a higher percentage. Is there anybody to talk to? Do you guys have a guild? Are you organized?
1: Um, there is the Amer- oh, the Amer- the Association of American Literary Agents. That one always trips me up. There is the Association of American Literary Agents, and I know that many agents are a member of it. I have to be honest. I have no idea who to talk to about changing commission. I have no idea the pros and cons of it. It's not even something I've ever contemplated. It's just something that I come into the industry and just accepted, right? Um, so I I would not even know where to start that conversation.
0: Well, okay. As a past inventor uh, and somebody who's been involved in all kinds of different other businesses, um, I think you should get more. I'm just saying. <laughs> well,
1: that. you know what? From your mouth, right? <laughs> like if anybody wants to do it. Go for it.
0: Okay. So, um, and this also goes to the to the way it's all organized. You know, um, I, I'm not going to uh, belabor this issue on camera, uh, but I really think that there's better ways to do it. Uh, this CWI. isn't the time to do the whole submission uh, business. Because one of the things I learned at the last STBWI, which was last week, was that most of the people attending Have do not have a proper understanding, at least in picture books. Um, And and I think that one of the problems you're going to have to comment on this um, is you know um, you you uh, raise kids and you tell them stories about uh, uh, Mr. Michigan and the uh, and the dancing toothbrush and the kids love the story and then you say oh I'm a writer you take this thing this ancient instrument called the pencil and this thing, which is a paper, and you, and you write your book and you think, oh, I'm a writer. Yep. And, and you're as far from a writer as, as can be imagined. Uh, the reason that I'm saying this is because I was one of those people. Run me through this, James. And I know you spend a lot of time with your, with your broadcast and, your, and, and, and you're reaching out to people. Uh, it is an arduous truth. How do you explain to people that they're just at the beginning?
1: I think you, you've nailed it. I think people will pick this up, any book, and they'll be like, I can do that. There's a level of arrogance to it. I'm not going to lie. There's a level of arrogance to the thought that you pick something up and like, oh, it's 30 pages, 32 pages. I can make that. And they have these stories that they tell their kids. That is probably one of the most common picture book query that I get. They have this story that they've told their kids, and I just know it would be a great picture book. I think What separates the amateurs from the professionals is the level of commitment they give to it. And it's a huge reason why Jessica Faust at Bookends and I have created our YouTube channel to give you all-
0: Which is is wonderful. I I I, highly recommend it to everybody.
1: I I think that the people who start out, write their story, send it off to me and expect that it's going to be published, have not given any level of commitment beyond their egotistical, I can do that. Uh, um, And I think the people who really separate themselves are the ones that are like, well, Let me go to the library and let me read more of what I just read to my kid. Maybe read something that didn't come out in 1980 or 1990, and let me read something that's a little more relevant and see if I can actually do this. And then they educate themselves, they expose themselves to what's being written right now, and they keep trying. And I think the difference is uh, how much commitment they've given it. It's how much thought they've given to this new undertaking that they want. They've decided whether it's a hobby or is it a quick way to get some money and get that egotistical bump of I've written a book and now everyone's going to read it. And I think there's that level of commitment that they're not even thinking about. And then there's also the, the, the research into the business and understanding what you have to do. I'll get so many queries that, and sometimes I'll request some of them too, right? where they have a really great concept for that first book, but they've not written other manuscripts. So they've done no research to know that before you submit a picture book, you should have a submission package. You should have multiple picture books that you can send my way. Um, And I think it it all comes down to how much have you really given this? And did you just rattle it off, take that pencil and write a book and send it off to me? Or did you say, no, this is something I can be serious about and want to be serious about, and then became serious about it. Um, So I think there is a huge issue with especially in Kidlet, um, and I would say especially in picture books, where folks don't think about all that is actually gonna go into this new project that they're undertaking, and just have that level of, all right, I wrote this and it can definitely be a book. Um, which is a frustration of mine, I'm not gonna lie. And I think that um, you know, as an agent, and I'm sure other picture book agents will agree, it's it's frustrating to get 30, 40, 50 queries a month that are like that. that sort of discount the work that we put into the books and that our clients and other picture book writers and illustrators are putting into their submissions and their work.
0: Uh, Well, you know, I I must admit that as a young uh, person your age, I was also one of those uh, um, idiots. (laughs) And uh, one one of the reasons I love the ASTBWI is it changed my life in the sense that, um, you know, you think that you know better than everybody else. Oh, I can write just as well as the, uh, as the books in Barnes & Noble. I even write better. It's just that, you know, I, I don't have a cousin who's in the industry in this this. Yep. You, you go to one of these meetings, and if you're lucky, and I was lucky, you realize that you don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was a university professor. You want to be a university professor, James, I'll tell you how to do it. You know, you do your bachelor's degree, your master's degree, your PhD, your postdoc, you get a, a job. Yeah. But until you understand that this
1: is actually, you have to do the equivalent. You have to study for years and years. Yes. And the studying is a lot more fun for us at least because for picture books, just go to the library. I think most libraries, you could take out like 30 books at a time, take them out, read with them, understand how they're working because it's not just a story split up on 32 pages. Those 32 pages are strategically split up. There's something called page turns. There's, there's so much of an education that you need to get through reading. Before you should even think about sending your book off to an agent or an editor. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's organizations like um, SCBWI 12 by 12, which is a picture book geared organization that sort of peel yeah. back the curtain and expose you to the business side of it. And it's kind of like the iceberg, I, you know, that the whole uh, iceberg meme, it's kind of like that, right? Like the tip of the iceberg is I've written a book. And underneath the water is all of this stuff of, I need to write another book. I need an agent. I need an, like the whole business side of it and, and development of craft that people miss when they write their first book. So,
0: okay. And the, and the, I think that the important point is that whether or not you end up getting a publishing deal or not, I mean, the, the odds are against you, even if you're a really great writer Absolutely. Um, it is to improve your craft. Yes. And if you are a person who enjoys that, then you're on the right direction. This is <laughs> a point that I try and keep making. Um, so uh, we're running soon to the end of our conversation because you got to go energized. back and do, do <laughs> your important stuff. Um, what, what the, um, there's, there's discussion about query letters okay. and whether agents really read them and whether they really read the stories or not. Uh, if you have to read 600 submissions a month, James, or your friends do. Oy vey. talk yeah. me through <laughs> this. How, 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 how awake can you be when you read these things? And what do you read? The query letter, the first line of the text? What do you do? Tell me.
1: I read every single query letter, um, which is why I try to read my queries every day. Um, because if I don't, I will easily get stressed <laughs> out by the number. Um, so I like, I like inbox zero, I like to get to zero queries. I try every day, sometimes it'll be every two or three days. I read every single query. I don't necessarily read every sample. Um, if I know a concept's not for me from the query, I just pass on it, but I do read the full query. Um, and I think most agents will say that they read the first, the, the full query, um, that query letter. And that's the reason why it's supposed to be succinct. It's supposed to be well-written. Because your query letter is mm-hmm. what we are reading to determine, and it's the same thing. I get the I get all the frustration of, you know, um, why do we have to write this? But it's this. It's this. It's the back of a book. That's what you're writing, and you do the same thing when you're looking for a book to read. Um, that's how we're evaluating whether we want to read a book and spend our time on it for free until we can sell it and get paid. So, but, I, but James, if if it's a picture book, it's if a it's few a hundred words. Book, Yeah, if it's a picture book, I will sometimes skip the query. If I like the concept, I will sometimes skip the query and just read the pages. But I still glean a lot from that query letter for a picture book as per concept. Um, Word count is important to me. But because... If I have a client who, or a query, excuse me, that wants to write a book about opportunity, I'm like, I mean, I wrote one. I don't don't need one on my list, right? I'm curating my own list. So I still do look at the query letter and decide, okay, is this a concept that I'm interested in? Is it a concept that has promise? Is it a concept that was strong, and I would like to see what else they've written. So I do still read it. I will say they can be shorter. (laughs) So they don't have to be three, four, five paragraphs for a picture book. I usually say the blurb is like four to five sentences for a picture book. But then you have your first paragraph, which is your introduction, the word count, comp titles, and then your bio paragraph. So a query letter picture book should ideally be shorter. But a novel too, you'll, you'll need those, usually those two or three paragraphs to get across the point of your book.
0: Okay, if, if, uh, if an author was a, um, a world-famous uh, Olympian uh, skater, should that go into the bio? Because sometimes the advice is only put in the bio what's related to publications.
1: I like that. I like knowing that. And I also think if you think there's something to be said about platform, right? Like a world-famous Olympic skater, I would include something like that in my bio. I usually tell people, if you're confused about what to add in your bio if you don't have any writing credits start with the easy stuff where you're from what you do for a living Uh, it's usually enough and then you can add whether you're like members of any writing organizations to me that's a cue that you're serious about it like we just talked about i will be intrigued by someone who's part of scbwi can take it a little more seriously Um, and then i think if you have something in the writing field that is an accomplishment or an achievement, include it. I think it's all helpful to know. Um, but if you're confused, just add like where you're from, what you do, and if you are a world Olymp- world famous skater, go for it. I think that's important to include
0: okay um what haven't i uh what important questions or tips haven't I prompted
1: um I feel like we had a very full conversation the one thing i will say is if i did not say it enough times throughout this is read more if you think you're reading enough you're probably not read more so <laughs> go to the library get some books out maybe make it a mission to read three new picture books a month um make sure that you're staying on top of what's publishing now and what the market is putting out i think that will help you be ahead of the curve and really understand what agents and editors are looking for or what they're saying in their MSWL or what books they're referencing, right? Like I would love the next Watercress. You should read Water- Watercress. you should know what it is. Um, so I think having a good understanding of the market and currently publishing picture books is really one of the most important things that any writer can do. And I don't think enough writers do it.
0: Okay, uh, if you were open to submission for picture books, James, which I know you're not, okay.
1: Yeah, um,
0: what, what books would you be looking for?
1: Um, right now, when I open back up too, I know I'll be looking for humor. I want to laugh and I think everybody wants to laugh after the past three years we've had. I think um, that's a place where the market is gonna go towards humor and towards light and joy. Um, and I would love to see more human characters. I get a lot of like kitchen appliances and food and animals. I would love to see more humans. Hey, um, you! You wrote about a robot on Mars. I know, right? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But don't I send me any books. Yeah, going <laughs> forward, I'd love to see some more human characters. And I'm always into nonfiction that is not a biography. Nonfiction that is, you know, exploring a certain topic, field of study, piece of history, anything like that, or cutting edge science that is not focusing on a particular person and their life story. Um, I'm not opposed to bios, but I have so many on my list that I am looking for something outside of bios and nonfiction. And I think nonfiction, like I'm sure Melissa Stewart will tell you, is one of the fastest growing um, parts of the market, which is really exciting. Um, And I think one of the most crucial parts of the market because readers, especially children readers, love nonfiction. And I don't think we're giving them everything we can. Um, So those will be like the three buckets I'd say I'm looking for. Um, And as always, I would love to see more books by marginalized creators um, in my inbox for marginalized authors and, and readers. I would love to see and help contribute to the growing representation in the market.
0: Well, that's wonderful for somebody who's not open. Um, and, and, and let's not forget this, um, this genre that you say uh, was invented um, of the informational nonfiction.
1: Or yeah, the, informational fiction. Or the
0: non, non-informational fiction or whatever. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Informational fiction. I think, no, I think that there's a spot there and I think it's always been there too. It just never gave it a name. Um, So yeah, I would love, I'm, I'm always open to that. I kind of grouped that with nonfiction, which I probably shouldn't, but yeah, I'm always open to that.
0: So uh, James McGowan, I would love to stay and talk with you forever. Um, But, uh, ah, 48 minutes past like three minutes.
1: Yeah. When the blink of an eye. (laughs) But
0: uh, maybe if you're willing maybe in half a year uh you'll be able to come on again and talk about your new book um and 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 maybe we should do maybe we should do one which is just like for picture book authors like james mcgowan's you know and maybe like a conversation where we just have these important questions or maybe we take from the audience right
1: yeah that'd be great like the the real roadmap. I'm open to it. So you, if you set something up, you let me know. Oh, I'm. I
0: just set it up in my mind.
1: <laughs> Deal. <laughs> but yeah, no. But you have to, you
0: have to have a new book coming out, right?
1: I, I don't have to. I'm open <laughs> to doing it without a new book coming out. But hopefully by that time I okay. will.
0: Okay. So it's February. Expect to hear from me. We're doing another show in October.
1: Okay, works for me.
0: <laughs> James well, so McGowan. Wonderful agent, wonderful author, wonderful person. Thank you for being on the show. And I have to sign off. So this is Mel Rosenberg. What am I? I'm the host of the Children's Literature channel of the New Books Network. And this has been a wonderful conversation with James McGowan. Thank you for your generosity. Have a wonderful weekend.
1: Yes, you too, Mel. Thank you.